Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, Amir Ryder here with the Transform Sales Podcast. I have my guest, my friend, Caleb Sin, CEO of Social Boom. Caleb, what's up, man? How are you? Good, good. How are you? Doing great, man. I love that headset. It looks fucking awesome on you. Thank you. Yeah, is, that the, is that the PLT? Focus. Is that the PLT it's, it's, 2022? It is the PLT headset. Focus, yeah. I know, it's one of the best. One so the best. so before, before, before you introduce yourself, I would, uh, I'd like to say that I remember how I met you by filling out your Facebook form for performance-only ads. Yeah. Uh, I just had to fill it out because I was like, well, who is this guy at Social Bloom? And I remember chatting with you. And then here we are, I would say a year later, uh, and I actually bugged you to come visit Colombia. You're, you're here in Medellin. Why don't you tell everybody who's listening um, how you got into owning, how you got into outsourced sales and, you know, the bottom line is you're a 22 year old business owner. Tell us about mm -hmm. that journey. Yeah, I think I was doing outbound, like my first cold call was in high school and I was pretty good at, um, kind of just being like a SDR. And then, um, over time I just realized it was more fun and challenging to go out on my own to do it for companies and outsource it. So, you know, I started in like Upwork, getting um, freelance gigs, I guess you could call it, and then pretty much just building it out from there. So uh, that's how I got into it. And I, I like doing it too. So, yeah. Why are most Gen Zs um, lazy and you're not? I don't think it's that. I think, uh, I just think a lot of Gen Zers don't like calling, maybe. I don't like direct confrontation. If you don't like calling, you're lazy. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You, maybe, can be politically, you don't need to be politically correct on this show. No, I, I mean, I just think, I think it is tough. Like the first time I made a cold call, I was definitely sweating bullets. Now it's easier, but I've been doing it a while. So I just started earlier. So, so, so you, you fell in love with the game mm -hmm. and you got into the game. Did any of this yeah. have to do with making money? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I like making money as well. So like, it's, it's like a, there's multiple benefits of doing it on your own. I think money is one of them versus when I was doing it for a company. So for today's show, what I really want to know is I want to focus on what buyers do wrong, what mistakes they're making, whether engaging with outsourced agencies. And that's my first question. What is the mm -hmm. top mistake that you see buyers making when they fill out your ads, when they hit your clutch, profile and when they contact social bloom yeah i think one of the biggest things is they don't already know their numbers so our job is obviously to book those qualified meetings and then for the client to close but if the client doesn't really have a good offer or they don't understand what their offer is or their icp um or their closing rates it kind of makes the whole entire process a lot harder so i think it's like a lot of companies just don't have the data needed. Just through a lot of buzzwords. What happens if we have a listener right now? They don't know what an ICP is. Mm. They don't know what the numbers are. Yeah, I think so. ICP, ideal customer profile, like who is their buyer? Who is a good fit for what they offer? And then your offer is obviously like, what do you sell? I mean, that's a big one, right? I, I think that one's pretty straightforward. It hurts my heart um, seeing that the first mistake that that 
that you say is basically all of them once because I know they're doing it all at once. <laughs> yeah. So they're coming at you without knowing their numbers, without knowing their ICP. Yeah. Or without knowing their offer. Yeah, which by the way, I think is actually fine. Like we've ran campaigns where through outbound we help them discover that. But you also can't come in and say like we don't have an ICP, we don't have any like past customers, but we want a hundred qualified meetings per month. That just doesn't make sense and it doesn't add up. It's okay if you want to learn who your ICP is, but you have to take those steps to get there before you just start, you know, throwing in SQL. Listening, listening to what you said has me thinking too, right? It, it, it's, it's like your natural response wasn't, they just come in without knowing their numbers, right? And then talking about it, right? You, you mix ICP numbers and a few other things, which also kind of has me reverse thinking that in a way, are you saying that your buyer's biggest mistake is almost thinking that they can achieve all these things at once? Like, are they coming um, in wanting unrealistic goals with unrealistic yeah. campaigns and it's like all of it at the same time? I think a lot of times it is because I think that's the biggest mistake. But there are people coming that like have everything, but maybe they're just missing a couple things. It's just not as common as somebody who doesn't have all the things like aligned yeah do you think that it, so basically if you, are buyers hiring outsourced sales agencies because they're being proactive and want to generate revenue or because they're responding to a problem they can't do it internally they don't yeah. know the numbers they don't have high speed they internally then they hire you and they're coming with all these problems I think, I think what it is is, yeah, I think a lot of people who haven't done sales in the past think like an outsourced SDR agency, appointment setting, um, an OSP is like the solution to the entire sales process. But they're not. They're a key to it, right? Like the sales process is connected to the fulfillment as well. So if the fulfillment's not in order, the sales aren't going to be in order as well. So it's not like let's just get like an FDR team, for example, and our whole entire sales problem will be fixed. That's not how it works, right? I think it starts with the offer and the fulfillment before sale. That all makes sense. Uh, what do you do to educate buyers about, about the full process and what they need to do to be a good customer? What, 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 how, do you, how, how do you speak to somebody who comes to you without these things in place? What, what are you saying to them? Yeah. I tell them the best place to start is to get customers, to get buyers, to get somebody using your product or service. And the way to do that is through outbound. It's just like slower to start versus let's just throw SQLs in, right? It's like, let's get some people on the phone with you on a discovery call. Let's get feedback from them. Okay, somebody does convert. What does that look like? How did you fulfill that? Whether it was a positive experience, was it negative? If so, either one of those, why was it positive or negative? And then targeting similar people going forward. It's like the snowball effect. Like you start small and the more you roll that snowball through the snow, it gets bigger and bigger. That's how I view it at least. So. Are we, if I'm hearing you correctly, are we rolling into like, hey, there's, these are some problems in the beginning of the sales cycle. They're, they're not going to their numbers, they're not going to their ICP, right? And then are you saying that buyers are also making mistakes while agencies are performing the work by not closing the loop of communication? I think it's possible. Because what I'm hearing almost is like, it's like, it's like, a, it's like, Hey, you're here to hire an outsourced sales agency, but the fun just begins. It's not like you chose social bloom and boom, right? It's like, now you need to communicate mm -hmm. with me 
to make an adjustment, right? I think I think there's two different parts. There's that with a startup that's yeah, like in that real startup phase where they don't have a ton of past customers. That's where that would happen. Yeah. And that communication needs to be there to connect everything. But then there are companies that are, you know, 10 years old, they know their ITP, they maybe just don't know how to get the email inside of the inbox, right? How to stay out of spam or how to use the tools like an auto dialer, they need to take that step. So I think there's two different types of companies there. Interesting. What company do you prefer to work with? Mm. I, I, okay, both. I mean, they're just different. No, 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 right? no, like, no. Politically, you can't work with both. No, no, you got one like, hand. You got one you hand. Can. You, can only, you, can only, you can only reach out to one. Who is it? I like the startups. It's harder, but it, it's Why more challenging, like but it's fun. Because it's fun. Like, it's challenging because they don't even really know what's going on. So I, I feel like I have a bigger role, and my team has a bigger role in, like, getting that company to where they want to be and, or getting that next round of funding. That's really exciting. Is this, is this, is this Caleb Sin the, the, the prideful, I'm having fun helping startups or is Caleb Sin that I'm running a profitable agency speaking? Yeah, which Caleb is this? Having fun for sure. Caleb having fun. You, know, you asked me which one, there's a difference between like, which one should I build a scalable company off of? And then there's also like, which one do I like working with? Why me? do you like torturing yeah. yourself? I don't think, I, I like working at, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. I guess you could ask like that, but no, I think, I think they're, uh, well, I think it's I great. Like Listen, a lot of, myself. a lot of people hiring outsourced sales companies listening to this. Hey, if you have a startup and you want to hire an yeah. agency who loves, loves, uh, the hard, the hard part, the hard thing of hard things, Caleb at social boom. Yeah, that's exactly. I don't want to see the suffering is... Caleb personally, but I know, no, no, it's not... I know you're 22 years old and I know whatever comes your way is just gonna make you stronger. Um, so yeah, if you want to raise your hand and, and help those startups, so you like you like the fun, you like the challenge, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever had a situation where a startup came to you for help and and you were really bought into helping them, and things just didn't work out? Yeah, they didn't work out. Like the results you got fired. The goals you got, you got fired. fired. Yeah, but you were like, yeah, that's happened. You were like, yeah. Tell sure. me about that time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think like what happened was it just like the fulfillment side for a startup wasn't there. So it's like, who do we even reach out to? And that's really hard. So again, like I like doing it, but it's way more time consuming. So it can take a longer ramp period than that other company that has something like, in place already. And they've been around for 10 years, right? Let's focus more on startups, right? So I think I, I, I asked my question about what, what do buyers in general make mistakes, right? But is there, yeah. if we hone in on startups, is there something that startups specifically make? Like a mistake that they're, like, like if you were talking to a startup and you're like, yeah. this is what you got to do to get ready to build a repeatable, scalable business development program with an outsourced agency, what are startups missing? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, okay, who are the titles that like are the actual buyers of your product or service? What are like the segments? But then again, like the pain points. So like, who do we reach out to, but also to like, what are the pain points that your product or service solves? That way we can put that into our outbound. Cause that, if that's not there, then I know what you're really saying. I know what you're really saying. But startups should be running market validation campaigns. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But 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 no one wants to hear that. That's why I don't say it like no that. No one wants if you to hear it, but on the show yeah. they're going to hear it. But we're we're okay, well, this is the, this is the <laughs> chance for this podcast. 
Yeah. We, we, okay. We work that's with all fair. Agencies. That's fair. We need to tell the truth. So, and and that's, it's a good thing to talk about, right? Because because we live in a world where people want to hear what they want to hear, and they're mm. com- if they hear what they want to hear and lose fifty k, they're oftentimes I wouldn't say happier, but they'll go down that path much more often than they will hearing the honesty. So you startups come to you and you you're listing them. They're like, yo. We have a nine-month sales cycle, we think, but we need an mm-hmm. ROI in three months, right? Yeah. You tell them you need a market validation campaign and you know that they're going to go to somebody yeah. else. Yeah. But that's part of the qualification because otherwise you get wrapped in with them and the expectations aren't aligned and then it's going to be bad. So I, I think well, – yeah. What happens to the startups that they just want to hear what they want to hear and then they go to another agency and the agency just says, you don't need – you don't need – Market validation, we're going to get you 15 meetings per month. You're going to make money. Then they spend 15K, call it 15, 20K, three months. They got no more money left. How do you help them not go down that path? I don't know. It's it's tough. I think, I think I, honestly, this is my opinion. It's probably wrong, but I think at the end of the day, that founder, that person who made that final decision, they have to they have to like change their mindset and how they view it, honestly. I can do as much education as I can, but at the end of the day, it does come down to the founder. That's my point of view, honestly. Like this I'm is gonna, why I'm... like things like OPEC were created, right? OPEC was created for oil so that everybody controls the price of oil and nobody's lowering it, right? Oh. And, and yeah. do you think, do you think in a way that, do you think in a way that our industry should be speaking the same language and holding the same standards? Like, do you think that people are hurting the sales outsourced industry by saying yes to everything and, 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 and just not holding these kind of standards together. Yeah. Like, like you mean saying yes to everything like that, like another agency that just was like, Oh, you don't need market validation. Like come in. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I'm like, I, I've, yeah, I, yeah, every yeah. time I lost the deal yeah. the last two years, I put a saved email to respond back to a house campaign going. I got back like, a crazy amounts of it went horrible and there was no coming back. They didn't come back. I told them the truth. They went to someone else. Their campaign failed. I reached back out to them. They don't come back to the outsource sales. It's like one time they're done. No. Right? Yeah. Because what that mindset is at that point is like, Oh, outbound I tried doesn't this work. yeah, I tried it before outbound doesn't work. So I'm never going to try it again, which that's like a bad mindset for anything. Same with like hiring people. You're going to get bad hires doesn't mean you should never hire again. How do you improve the process? Well, why do you think it's, why do you think people are able to hire sales reps and fire them over and over again and never stop? But once they hire an outsourced sales agency, they try it once and say, I tried it and it didn't work. Hmm. I think of the culture around it. You look like a cooler company if you're hiring for SDRs and then you have like a bunch of SDRs. I think like there's like a component of culture around it. Almost is like it, a is it culture or is it just basic tribal you versus me? I don't know, it might be basic tribal. That's a, okay, that's a way too deep question. I don't know. It could be right? it could be tribal. Well, I don't know. I you think see it happening, right? Like like so if you pay ten thousand dollars on a W two or you pay ten thousand dollars to social room, is that ten thousand dollars different in the eyes of the bank account? Oh, in the bank account? No, I mean, it's still $10,000. Not, not, but is it different in the eyes of the buyer? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a different offer for sure. 
So, but why? Well, there's just different. Well, it's getting deep. Them, it's not you versus me, or you versus them. Then what is it? Well, I mean, are you okay? We gotta let's rewind here. Are you saying like like is this like SDRs basically like in-house SDRs versus an outsourced agency? That's yeah, yeah, they, 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 like like it's just a fact. They hire and fire SDRs all the time mm -hmm. and never stop. But if they do an agency, they say I tried it before and I never do it again. But they don't say it about sales reps. I have my beliefs, which you already know, and I'm just trying to find out the tribal, not tribal. I think it is. I think I think it is. I think I think I think it is. I think that the W two is a way for governments to track income to get taxes, but I think somehow. Yeah. In order for get people on W-2s to pay taxes, you got to make them think that like, hey, man, that W-2, he's part of your team. He's internal. That guy, that vendor, he ain't on your team because the $10,000 yeah. is the same money. Yeah. I I mean, I've hired in-house SDRs for ourselves, right? And like we're an outsourced agency. And one of the big reasons is, to be honest, like it felt good. Like, oh, I've got like an SDR team. That's why I thought it was like a cultural thing of like, that's just how it should be done is in-house SDRs. And we tried, we've tried stuff like that, right? And I think it's fine if you have a process so that you can actually track, like if somebody is hitting like the right number, like, um, I don't know, scorecards, right? Versus somebody who isn't. But if you don't have that and you haven't had a process like that created, then you're failing those in-house SDRs too because they're not there to just make everything. They're there to follow the process and yeah, add value where they can, but there still needs to be a system there for them. If not, it's like, well, then you need something else. And that's where we do come in is where we are building that. We have some, we've had some clients that like, they worked with us for quite a while. We did great. It was an awesome relationship. And then they started bringing in in-house SDRs and then they took that process that we created. Yeah. I think that makes sense. So for me, I, you know, like obviously we're working with a lot of agencies. We're talking to agencies. I, I know agencies that that's their play. They're like, hey, we do this for yeah. you to then do in-house. Um, do you think that people should be more honest about that? Like, do you think buyers would be – do you think buyers sometimes kind of play it like, hey, we're going to hire a CR team. We're great. But look, what they really want is the process to hire in-house that they don't tell you and they're just not being clear about it. Do you ever, do you ever see that happen or feel that it happens? Um. Yeah, I've seen it happen, but I also, and we at, like at social, we make it clear that we've had that happen to us before. And that's like, not a separate offer, but that is like a, a path we can go down. So I've never had it like where they were secretly taking stuff from us and like putting it somewhere else. You know? Do you think it would make sense to make it clear to be like, Hey, this is a package yeah. of startups. We're going to, we're going to yeah. give you the framework. You can hire your in-house per people on it. I think it would. I just have to go back and see. Okay, here are the companies that did that. <laughs> what does that look like? And so I got you like, some homework. Uh, yeah, productized, my friend. Yeah, I got a lot I of homework. So too, to be stuff. honest with you, I think so as well. And I think, I think that, I think that all of these things sh should be a little bit clearer, right? And I think, I think people can get a lot more just being honest and direct. And I think none of it's wrong. Two plus two equals four, right? So like, if you're, if you're in a higher social bloom to generate a million dollars in pipeline you're most likely going to need 5 million the next year. So if you think that you're going to hire an outsourced agency that's performing X, Y, Z to hire in-house, it's an interesting concept of hire one and fire the other, because if you look at the whole concept of AB testing and protection and safety, it would say that they probably should keep on the outsourced agency, hire in-house on top of it. 
The agency gets two, in-house gets two. Yeah. You got four, right? But now you got a backup. Have you ever seen any customers yeah. that hired you, fired you, and then came back? Yeah, yeah. We I've seen that. Yeah. Tell me about a story about that and what you learned from it and what listeners can learn from that event. <laughs> yeah, I think what it what it was, it was one of our first customers. Um and like we were doing fine. It wasn't like we were crushing the campaign, but it was like a handful of SQLs getting booked per month. It was a profitable campaign. They were making more money and profits than they were spending on us. Um, but they wanted more. They wanted more and more. And we told them that, like, let's slowly build up that. And they're like, no. So they left and they came back because they couldn't find something else that, like, for that same process that we were doing. Um, so now they're with us. Yeah. So two plus two equals four. Um, you probably shouldn't fire a successful agency. I've had I have had people call me back and said, "Hey, I tried outsourcing three years ago," um, and then they're like, "We just closed a million dollar deal that was associated with the outsourced company two yeah, years ago." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and then they hire you back and they lose all that momentum. What yeah. do you say to those people? I think what it is is like if you're going to just work with an agency or anyone, like just have enough so that you can do it for a long period of time instead of like, let's try it for two months. And if I make a million dollars, we can continue. I think it's the, the way that you go about buying. Like have sense. it like long-term, like, or at least you don't have to sign two year long contract, but at least in the back of your head say like going into it, let's try and make this long-term. What, what is like, what is, let's just make pretend we live in a world with no contracts, right? And like, no one's obligated okay. to say that. Like, what is that? What is that time frame where an agency starts to deliver for a company? Is it where's where that like that, that trough? Yeah. Like the ramp, like before this. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think it varies. I think it varies a lot. Like, what's it for you? <clears throat> um, I come to you on a startup. Where, when am I like, you're when okay, your startup, it's going to be about a month, two months before you're really seeing SQL getting booked for sure. Um, if you're like a well-established company with social bloom, usually in that first month, we're at least seeing, um, somebody getting booked and being leads because you have a, like, you have your ITP laid out. You already know that stuff versus a company that doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So I push back on you in that one. I think personally from knowing you that, that you are, you bust your balls and you, and you beat industry averages by performing faster and sooner. Right. Um, yeah. I would think that four to six months is the sweet spot for when you really could see a program getting started. Obviously during month one, two, and three, there has to be full-time activity and progression, right? We're not talking like someone's doing nothing for four months, but I remember when Clawtest was a service company, we used to be month by month. Yeah. And we had high churn. We had upset clients. We we changed to six month contracts, and our clients got happier. They got the results yeah. they wanted. And now, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like 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 an agreement is not good if someone's never going to get the results they want, and they're just whatever, right? Like of like, course, yeah, they should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know some agencies that do twelve month agreements, but do a four month op opt out. Yeah, and that yeah. And I like it. I like it because I see the data, right? Like as a buyer, as a CEO, I am buying things all the time. Actually, I'm like negotiating with G2 Crowd and like I'm actually upset with them because they're trying to be like, 
get a deal for year one and a deal in year two. And I'm like looking at them being like, why the fuck would you want me to sign a contract for year two if I didn't prove an ROI? And like, I know they raised $96 yeah. million. They don't give a fuck about me. They want to pay back investors. It's very bad customer centric. But like knowing that I run a marketplace now and knowing that a lot of the agencies that do month by month churn much faster and have lower success uh, happy scores than contracts and knowing my days of cloud test, yeah. I find myself feeling that a 12 month agreement with a four month out benefits the buyer and the seller. Yeah, sure, sure. But like the way that I look at it though too is um, it depends. Like I've, we signed a couple month by month projects, right? And that's because we know we can like, that's what A, the, the prospect wanted, and B, we've done similar campaigns. So we know in month one, we're going to crush it for them. And then we have, like, it's, I don't know how you, well. I don't know how you crush it in month one. And I, I, I want you to stop doing that. Well, okay. Not it's hitting the goals. It's hitting the goals in month one, the goals like laid out. So like crushing it is different in everyone's opinion, right? Like you could say like one SQL month is crushing it. It's not, but if you're following, like, you have to stop, under, you have to stop underperforming in month one. Well, no, it doesn't always happen like that. I mean, I've, I've not everybody's social too, and it takes a while. No, 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 I don't. Sometimes it takes longer. I'm just saying, I'm giving like examples of where it works out really well within that first month. Right. So, um, yeah. But what happens when you do a fast start, you get lucky and then the expectations are super high and not realistic. Cause yeah. at the end of the day, it's all about an ROI. Right. So like, yeah. They don't know their numbers, biggest problem, right? So like I've had people where, cause people come to us from marketplace, right? So like they, they, they come to us from the outsourced before, we helped them got it through. I've done some math for some people and I pull it up and I'm like, you fired this agency and they had a 500% ROI. Yeah. Why would you do that? And then they go like this, uh, they like, they, they basically, they're like, they're like, they're just basically like, they're like, I don't know. They're like, I was spending 12K a month and I just like, I like emotionally felt like it wasn't working. I'm like, well, you didn't know your numbers. Problem number yeah. one. Yeah. Problem number one. That had happened so many times, right? Yeah. Um, so let's let's let me ask you one last thing that, that like just really focus on. Who are your best customers? We know they're startups. We know they're, we know that they're they're companies that you like to uh, that you like highly engaged CEOs and leaders. Are they software or service? Pick one. Like he's getting out, like, really, <laughs> Wait, let's re, uh, let me raise, let me raise You mean like that I like to work with the most or like that? No. Do, or like that are most successful. Someone's listening campaign. to this podcast and they mm -hmm. need success. Yeah. Who can you help the most? And you mm. can't pick service and you can't pick software. You I'm going to, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick service. I'm going to pick service. Is that on your onboarding with CloudTest? Did you say service or, or software? What's on the website? I don't know, to be honest. Probably both. We <laughs> have both clients. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. That you don't need to be everything to everybody, Caleb. No, you don't. You don't. But I don't think we, we aren't. We aren't, okay? But but service, service and software can be combined together. We have some clients that are like both a service and a software. You're doing a really good job of convincing yourself. No, I, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like, like in a lot of places, even software companies, their bigger enterprise deals are also going to involve a service 
alongside that software. So then why didn't you say hybrid? Why didn't you say my best customers I did. Are, I said both. I said both. Are, are, are I software companies and services. I, guess what? I just didn't software say hybrid. Don't I, sell their services. Service companies and professional services is after they buy it, right? You work at NetSuite, yeah. you buy software, they pay quarterly for services. So they're usually not both like the way you are, but I do hear what you're saying. Let's talk yeah, about, so yeah. I'm a service company. I come to you. What can I expect from you? On the discovery call or afterwards? <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> like that's a very, I don't know. That's a very like, like if they email me or if I'm they... a service company, I got a $30,000 average contract value. What can I expect from you? Um, probably initially laying out like, what do they want? Like their goals, revenue, how many meetings do we have to get to get there? Um, what do we have to do internally to do that? Can we do that? Are they a good fit? If so, pricing, and then you start onboarding and weekly optimizing from there, I'd say. What's your retention rate? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest, off the top of my head. I'd have to pull that up, but we have a pretty good retention rate. I know it's high because we work with you. I just don't know how high it can be when you get to 50 million in revenue, Caleb. You're yeah. going to say, you're gonna have to say no to people. There's some people we can't work with. Anybody listening who's actually thinking about hiring an outsourced agency, you can see that I'm pushing Caleb on like who is his not good fit because you're going to have a tendency as well when you tell someone like Caleb, you're going to come to him and you're going to say, we work with, we, we target e-commerce, financial, retail, apparel. You're going to do the same thing as this. You do the same thing. Same thing. And if you focus on that one industry, that one persona you help, you will have a smoother cycle and you'll have a smoother experience with an agency because it's a perpetual cycle. We're all, we're all saying yes a little too much, right? And, and, and it's, it, 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 it's hard to say no, right? But what you'll find is that the people who say no know their numbers, know their math, know their product market fit, right? So that's, that's, that's a big thing. Caleb, you're the man. I appreciate you. Ironically enough, Caleb's actually downstairs. Caleb's been here for working in Medellin. He was uh, in Minnesota. I told him to come down to Columbia. He, he's, he's here for the winter. And um, he's actually become a good buddy of us, uh, ours, giving us good advice, getting a good feedback loop. Um, where can they find you, Caleb? If somebody uh, wants. Social Bloom. Yeah, our website, socialbloom.io. Or you can look my name up on LinkedIn and connect with me. Or he's going to find you. Or you can you. email. Right. You can email. Yeah, you can email me. <laughs> Caleb at you better find Caleb in social room first before he finds you. Yeah, that is true. Because that's how I found him. His, ad, his ads found me, right? It's, it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah. So. Caleb might seem like a nice, innocent 22-year-old, but he is I am, a, I am. a SDR killer. Literally. Yeah, I got He's taking down. No, I no no no. <laughs> you're really, you're really gonna look bad now. No, I I, I love SDR. I'm not making you look bad. You're you're, you're crushing it. You're doing well. You're passionate. You love helping people. You're honest, and you're 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 one of our our, our top performing agencies. So so, um, by being on the show, man, you, you're not looking bad. You're looking awesome. I'm like look at the headset you got on right there. So I would probably focus. put down one button, but you look good. You put what? 
I probably unbutton one button, but you look you look good, man. You look good. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Keep it classy. It's this is now, the PLT focus. Guys, now, Caleb so. Sin, he's everywhere. If you don't find him, he will find you. Caleb, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you for being on the show and sharing some golden nuggets with everybody. Yeah, thank you, Amir. Appreciate it. You got it. Take care, man. Yeah.